630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skipped his way to the end zone. Rebound comes off the boards, two on two Oilers. McDavid has a step to the net, back hitter to a side, he scores! Connor McDavid scores both goals tonight and wins the game! It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, the Edmonton Eskimos unhappy with today's performance by the offense at training camp. We will get to that story. One player off the record as he was leaving the field used three words to describe the performance by the offense. Two of them would get me fired if I said them on the radio, but that gives you an idea how the team feels about the performance today. The National Hockey League going to Las Vegas. We'll have more on that story. Brian Blessing hosts a radio show in Vegas. He'll give us some of the ins and outs of that deal. Of course, it's expected to be formally announced by the NHL next week. Ten years ago today, Fernando Pisani. Overtime winner shorthanded for the Edmonton Oilers. He's coming up in uh, the 8 o'clock hour. Willie DeWitt, former Canadian heavyweight boxing champ. He will join us at 8.30 as part of our Legends of the Game segment. We're going to have a lot of fun. Kelly Rudy is coming up in about a minute. But starting off on, of course, a very uh, serious note. Thousands of people visiting Joe Louis Arena today to pay their respects to hockey legend Gordy Howe. Wayne Gretzky, of course, at today's visitation. My childhood dream was to play for the Red Wings. Um, somehow in my mind I figured I could wear number nine, but obviously that's not possible. You, nobody's ever going to wear his number. But I even tried to go to get my haircut and ask for a Gordie Howe haircut when I was nine years old. So everything I did was to be a Red Wing and to be uh, around Gordie Howe and be part of Gordie Howe's world. He just That was all I dreamed about as a youngster. Gretzky and former Red Wings coach Scotty Bowman, two of the pallbearers today who led Howe's casket down a long strip of red carpet that ran through the middle of the arena. Kelly Rudy, our weekly guest here on Inside Sports, a former teammate of Wayne Gretzky. And uh, Kelly, thanks for joining us tonight. Everybody in the hockey world, especially those who played the game, touched deeply by Gordy Howe. And uh, sir, you're no different. Yeah, it was kind of... I liked hearing Wayne talk about Gordy and how he tried to emulate him and and so on. I was very fortunate, as you know, Reed, um, early in the 90s when Wayne was chasing uh, Gordy's uh, point total uh, NHL record and, of course, was going to uh, eclipse that. We had the good fortune on the Kings to have Gordy uh, around our team, I think, for about 10 days. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that uh, we became fast friends and we shared many conversations, but I did... I was lucky enough to chat with him a bunch of times and uh, very lucky, fortunate uh, in that regard. But I think I I look back on that time, that time period when Wayne was, there's no question he was going to break Gordy's record. And they spent so much time together. And to me, it looked more like friends than any other kind of relationship. And Gordy was so kind to Wayne in the sense that he, he wasn't, he wasn't mad. He wasn't hurt that uh, Wayne was going to smash this record. It was just like, 
well, look at this guy. He's something else. And, and it was a real nice passing of the torch kind of uh, scenario. But my initial thought when uh, I was asked to uh, chat uh, on Hockey Night in Canada Sunday about this in our pregame show was my initial meeting with Gordie Howe. So most of your uh, listeners know I grew up in Edmonton, and uh, as a young boy growing up in Elmwood in the west part of town, you never envision that you might ever play in the National Hockey League, nor do you ever believe that you might meet somebody uh, with that impact that Gordy had. And, and when you think of, I was drafted in 1980 by the Islanders, uh, and two times in my uh, before I made the, the team for good in 1983, I was one of the Black Aces while the Islanders were winning uh, their four consecutive Stanley Cups. So my last year as a Black Ace, 1983, the uh, Islanders are playing the, the uh, Oilers, of course. And there was a day off between games and the finals. Uh, we had a practice, but there's no game. And I'm walking back from the Nassau Coliseum to the Marriott Hotel. And for some of your listeners that have never been to the old Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, the Marriott Hotel is located basically in the same parking lot. So you just have to walk across a, a small parking lot to get to the hotel. So we make our way into the hotel lobby. And right there before my eyes is Gordy Howe. And uh, I'm with Gord Deneen, one of my teammates, and I knew the history that the Deneen family had with uh, Gordy Howe. Uh, Gord Deneen's dad, Bill, had played with uh, Gordy, I think, for six years in Detroit. Uh, they'd won some cups together, and then later on, Bill Deneen had coached Gordy Howe uh, with Houston in the WHA and won the Avco Cup, I believe, twice there also. So I was aware of this history, and so on. So it wasn't real surprising to me when Gordy stopped to talk to Gord Deneen. Uh, and I certainly wasn't surprised when Gordy Howe asked Gord Deneen to, to uh, in, or he invited him to lunch in the hotel uh, restaurant. What surprised me most, because I'd never met Gordy Howe and I'm certain he had never heard of my name, that he, he allowed me to tag along too. He said, come on, why don't you join us? And he knew Gord and I were friends. So I must have sat there the entire lunch, and I don't know, I can't remember how long it lasted, but it must have been about an hour, and I was a very shy kid at the time anyways, but nonetheless, I didn't really feel a part of the conversation, but I just listened in, and I just saw the grace of Gordy Howe, and just talking about his family, the Deneen family, the connection, how is everybody doing, those sorts of things. His asking Gord Deneen about his young career, you know, all, all these great things, and most of all, I remember after that, racing up to my room as quickly as humanly possible and calling my mom and dad back in Edmonton and saying, you will not believe who I just had lunch with. And so for that reason, I mean, I've got a real special spot for Gordy. Um, and I, I even reminded him when he was uh, following us around with the Kings about that, that time I met him in 1983. I can't recall if he remembered or not, but and I certainly wouldn't expect him to, but just very nice memory of uh, we were so lucky in this game. I'm going to sound like Gretzky here for a minute, but we some of our previous players are the nicest people you'll ever come across. And Gordy, how is that? There are many others that I've met that I, I just can't thank them enough for how gracious they were when I started to come along and and the impact they had on me. Well, well said, Kelly. And you're right. That's the great thing about being around. Hockey players, a lot of pro athletes. They're they're very yeah. uh, they're. I mean, they they know they're lucky to do what they do, and they're very respectful of other people in that profession and of their fans. And you often it, it's funny as much as we talk about stats and how people play. In the end, we often remember how people carried themselves 
away from the game. And, and you look at some of the baseball players who are currently not getting votes for the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, you can't deny their stats, but it's the suspicion yeah. and some some of uh, how they carried themselves with the media and with fans and stuff like that. So so we're lucky uh, in hockey. You know, I, I, I kind of joke that the phrase play the right way is overused when it comes to what happens on the ice, but a lot of guys act the right way when it comes to the off-ice life. Yeah, I go back to basically, again, my parents, just be a good person. And we're fortunate again in our sport. I'll just share another story with you. Uh, we could share stories forever about Gordy Howe because we, we love him and we'll miss him dearly. But uh, I had another similar experience with Bernie Perron. Now, Bernie, to me, would have been more influential to meet because of, we both were goalies. I idolized him growing up. And uh, when I started playing for the Islanders, one of our rivals, of course, because we were both in the Patrick division, were the Philadelphia Flyers. And Bernie at the time was the goalie coach for the Flyers. And somewhere along the line, he must have heard, whether it was through a newspaper article, an interview, or just hearsay that I idolized him and growing up. And, and so one day we were pulling into the uh, parking lot of the Spectrum, and uh, it was before a game, and much to my surprise, I'm coming off the bus and near the Zamboni uh, entrance onto the ice, there's Bernie Perrant. And I'm thinking, oh, man, is that ever unbelievable? I wish I could go over and say hi. And first of all, we're on opposite teams, so that wouldn't look very good. But so Bernie kind of motioned for me to come over, and I kind of did it quietly so nobody really noticed the two of us getting together. And he came over, and we shook hands, and we chatted for about five or ten minutes, and, and it was really cool because he didn't need to do that. We're Again, we're on different teams, and, and the rivalry was really fierce back then. And I would say for the next three, four years or more, every time I'd go into Philadelphia and he was in the building uh, working that game he might have been off scouting some other times but he'd always make a point of coming and chatting and I've never forgotten that and and I I just think the world of a lot of these people. Kelly Rudy joining us inside sports on 630 Chet former NHL goaltender now with the NHL on uh, Rogers and yes some great memories there from your playing career Kelly. Uh, some more recent memories we should touch on the Stanley Cup final uh, Jack Michaels, our play-by-play voice here on the Oilers Radio Network and 630 Chet, texted me after the Sharks stayed alive in Game 5 and said, this is basically a five-game sweep by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. <laughs> they finally put it away. Uh, uh, we put put it away in, in Game 6. I thought Martin Jones was great. Nothing against uh, Murray, but clearly he made the difference. And um, a t- tough story for San Jose because a couple of guys who'd been uh, putting up a lot of points for the team were, were a lot quieter in the Stanley Cup Final. Yeah, so I was wrong going into the series. I thought that based on the previous uh, three series that each team was involved in, and uh, as you know, uh, we were the crew covering every single game, so it's not like I missed a couple along the way and I was ill-informed. I really thought San Jose was the better of the two teams going into the finals. Uh, for a number of different reasons, including their depth. Um, I give Pittsburgh full credit because it was at some point in the second game when I thought, nope, this is or, uh, Pittsburgh's winning this. They're by far the better team. They're the faster team. They play a more complete team game, at least at that time they were. Uh, they alleviated a lot of the pressure on their D because, of, of course, we only really know a lot about Latang and the other guys uh, – uh, good, honest, hard workers, but not everybody thought they could elevate their game to the level in which uh, they played in the playoffs. But 
give them credit, boy. They they were resilient. They dominated completely San Jose, and, and the better the two teams won. And, and the Conn Smythe winning uh, trophy went to the right guy. Well, Sidney Crosby got it. You know, I thought uh, I thought Latang would have been a great candidate too, given how much he played. But but Crosby, you're, you're right. I mean, he made it. And this is what I always say. You know, in hockey, there aren't a lot of goals anymore, so you better make an impact yep. when you don't score. And and Crosby epitomized that this year, and I mean, as he did at other times. I mean, you look at even yeah, the 2014 totally. Olympics. I mean, he's he's yeah. been that player for a few years. Yeah, he has. And I was I felt really happy for him too because when he burst onto the scene and he went to the Stanley Cup Finals two years in a row, winning in the second chance, and you're thinking, boy, this is going to be a real long run of uh, of long playoff runs and. And it wasn't meant to be. And, and then he started to really take a lot of criticism for some of his play in the playoffs. And he's just such a nice guy. He he's, goes back into that category. We're talking about Howe and Perrant and some of these guys. Like, Sidney, for all the pressure he's under, I mean, he never turns down an interview. He's gracious. He looks engaged like he really wants to be there. Um, I, I just have a lot of time for him and the way he carries himself, too. And, and this is really good for that that franchise to get them back on track with this Crosby and Malkin together. All right, Kelly. And before we, we let you go, uh, last one for the season, we can have some fun here. Las Vegas, uh, the NHL expected to make it official next Wednesday that the Las Vegas whatevers, whether it's going to be Black Knights, uh, we'll see what the final name is, will become the NHL's 31st franchise for the 17-18 season. So, what kind of a home ice advantage is this still-to-be-named Las Vegas team going to have once you get teams in there on the road? <laughs> well, it, it's a really interesting and deep conversation you could have about that. And I know we're having fun and chuckling, but there's a lot of reality to that. And or um, will the visiting teams have the advantage there, depending on the personnel that you have to play for the uh, Vegas team? I mean... I understand the money part of it. I understand expansion. I just, I'm not a fan of going to that city for young professional athletes that make a lot of money. And I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road too deeply. But I mean, it, there's no secret that some young players, professional athletes throughout the world, gamble too often. I, that's not the, that's not the first city I'd put people with that problem into to live and to visit uh, on a business trip. Well, yeah, and lots of stories are going to come out of that expansion draft. Obviously, the name they got the arena, they got the season ticket deposit for sure. Kelly, you've been coming on once a week since October. Love having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. I'm glad you're back home in Calgary after your odyssey in Toronto. <laughs> really appreciate you wrapping us up, uh, wrapping it up with us tonight. Of course, we'll keep in touch over the summer and uh, hope you can rejoin us in the fall. You might play. Absolutely, looking forward to it again, Reed. Right on. That is Kelly Rudy checking in tonight inside sports on 630 Chet. Of course, you want to reach us here. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. You can text 630-630. Uh, I got a comment about Netflix from Sean that I want to get to. And when we get back, uh, I got a quick little NHL player gambling story of my own. 621. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. So, probably four years ago, and I'll preface this by saying, it, I, I would say two to three times a year, I will I will visit a casino and I will and I will gamble. 
and lately I, I play roulette for very small stakes. So, but a, a few years ago, I, I became slightly fascinated with the game known as craps. Kellen Kennedy, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You roll the dice. Yeah. So. Snake eyes is bad. Yes, generally. Yeah. Well, unless you bet on snake eyes. Yeah, there you go. It's like 30 to 1 or something. So anyway, I was playing at the uh, Backrack Casino downtown, which is, I guess, not going to be around much longer. And this was in the evening, and a I won't say what player, but a player from a visiting NHL team who was going to play the next night against the Oilers walked in and came up to the craps table. Now, the craps betting can be kind of complicated to explain, but there's a bet called the field bet where you're betting that a 2, 3, 4, 9, 10, 11, or 12 will come up. Now, those, of course, are the numbers that come up the least. He puts down $400. Who's ever rolling the dice rolls? He loses. The NHL player pulls another $200 out of his wallet, bets it on the field, loses, pulls it another $100, loses. He's with a couple buddies. They laugh and walk away. $700 gone in about a minute. <laughs> and that's why Kelly Rudy is mourning about Las Vegas. You can text 630-630. We'll go to Las Vegas with Brian Blessing. Coming up next, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chet. Some other things to touch on today. The Edmonton Oilers have put out their preseason schedule. It'll start on Monday, September 26th with a split squad action, uh, with a split squad game against the Calgary Flames. So one in Calgary, one at Rogers Place. That'll be the first Oilers game at Rogers Place Monday, September 26th. The Oilers will play the Kraft Hockeyville game in Lumbee, B.C. against the Los Angeles Kings on October 22nd. Home games against Anaheim on October 4th. The Jets on October 6th. The Canucks on Saturday, October 8th. You can get the full schedule on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. The Anaheim Ducks, as expected, have named Randy Carlisle their new head coach. They've also announced that Nate Thomas ruptured his Achilles tendon in an off-season workout. He's going to be out for the majority of the upcoming season. The Toronto Blue Jays won this afternoon 11-3 over the Philadelphia Phillies. Josh Donaldson went 3-for-4 with 5 RBIs, including a grand slam. Edwin Encarnacion blasted his 16th home run of the season at Euro today. Hungary over Austria, 2-0. Portugal tied Iceland, 1-1. Your scoreboard presented by Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. Call 310-GLASS today. And of course, one of the big headlines, Las Vegas indeed set to join the National Hockey League. My name is Reed Wilkins. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It's 634. Thanks a lot for tuning in and we're going to go to Las Vegas and welcome back to the show, Brian Blessing from Sportsbook Radio on AM 1130 in Vegas. Brian, welcome back to the show, sir. How are you doing? Hey, Reed. How you doing? Crazy day here, I'll tell you that. Well, thanks for making time for us. Uh, I really appreciate it because, yeah, I'm sure you're you're in demand, and uh, I, I'm sure you uh, were getting a lot of feedback on your show today from people in your listening area. What was the reaction that this is uh, set to be formally announced less, ne- uh, next week, Vegas joining the NHL? Well, it's the worst-kept secret in the world out here. Uh, the fact that the Associated Press did it lends tons of credibility to it. The bottom line is, uh, Vegas had made the case long, long, long ago to the NHL. The season ticket drive, 14,000 season seats sold for an arena that wasn't built, a team that didn't exist. 
And I think it's a, it's a cool two-way street, too. I think the brand Las Vegas is going to be good for the NHL. A lot, of, a lot of people fired up around here, I'll tell you. I, expand on that, Brian. Why do you think the brand of Las Vegas will be good for the NHL? Oh, I mean, this is an event destination. I think there'll be sizzle and glitz and glamour. And, you know, they come here and do the awards ceremony. Uh, just think of uh, when Edmonton uh, is going to play in Vegas. Uh, you know, Tad on the chilly side up there, let's say in January. And, uh, you know, the Edmonton's playing a Saturday night game here in Las Vegas. Uh, and this is like the fail-safe plan. This is like plan D that, uh, you know, 500 people from Edmonton uh, sit there and say, hey, come on, let's go to Vegas for four days, and we can catch the Oilers. You kidding me? Let's go. I, I think this is a win-win deal. Do you think that, and look, we should mention, and I want to touch on this as we move along, there's a lot of season to ticket deposits already, but do you think they will try to construct a schedule that is somewhat marketed towards visiting teams? I mean, I think when you were on a, I, I, when you were on with me in the past, I think it was you, I mean, Thursday, Saturday games, Friday, Sunday, I mean, how, how could that possibly work? Well, initially, I know Bill Foley had to, he wanted uh, Sunday afternoon games, and we're like, well, you know, uh, the NFL is kind of king of the castle around here on Sunday. So, uh, you know, they'll, they'll kind of make it fit here in in the market, what works here. Uh, I know when we had talked uh, months ago, you know, it was one of those things where the visiting teams could bring people here, but the transient nature of the city, so many people that live here now, the one thing, it's like it's, it's crazy that you're still kind of defending things. I mean, I listened to your last segment, and you said it yourself. A visiting team playing a casino near you is playing something. Uh, the Sabres, the Leafs, to go to Falls View Casino in Niagara Falls. My God, I mean, forget that. And, 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 and you look at the arguments that were made in papers, uh, agendas that were out there. Oh, you're going to give a NHL team. This was coming out of Toronto. An NHL team, you're going to give it to a city of 600,000 people. Now, wait a second. There are 2.1 million people live in this valley. That analogy would be like the 900,000 people that live in Mississauga don't drive five miles to a Leafs game. I mean, you know, it's it's like, forget all that. This is going to work. All right. Well, I, first of all, thanks for listening to the last segment. I, <laughs> you know, I wanted to get Kelly's perspective on that as a guy who played in the NHL and knows what it might be like to have a little bit of spending money walking around. And I agree with you. If an NHL player wants to be entertained, he, uh, he can find a, a, a place to do that regardless of what city he's in. I guess my point was, it tends to, to me anyway, it tends to be a little more out there in a city like Las Vegas. I mean, the city has the reputation of, of uh, whatever you want, whenever you want it, right? Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, bottom line, seriously, people can find trouble anywhere. I, you know, I mean, it's, I don't know, it just seems like a, a convenient topic to throw out there. I mean, you know, if the visiting teams want to go in here and go bananas, then, well, knock yourself out. But, I mean, if I'm a professional hockey player and it's my livelihood, I'm coming to a state that doesn't have state tax. I see the sun 360 days a year. These guys all love the golf. They can golf here. I mean, and this is a community. There are houses and movies, theaters and grocery stores and schools. People live here. We don't all live on the Strip. That's the, that's the crazy mind thing that's out there. It's nuts. Brian Blessing joining us from Sportsbook Radio on the AM 1130 in Las Vegas talking about the uh, upcoming expansion of the National Hockey League to Las Vegas. They'll drop the puck there for the 17 
2018 season. T- tell me a little bit about the uh, the season ticket deposits. I mean, what it, it's up it's up around 14,000. So, what was the was this a number achieved pretty quickly? What was the momentum like around the the fan base there? Several months. It was a ticket drive. I mean, you know, I know Winnipeg did it like overnight. Uh, you know, but but they, you know, basically they they were ready to bring this existing team, and this was a process. Uh, and, and people have wrapped their arms around it. So that point was proven. The arena's here. It's up and running. Uh, the organization never stopped working towards the business side of things. And they're not commenting on this until the league makes it official. But they're, they're ready to go. And then, frankly, this is going to be a hurry-up-and-wait scenario. They're going to take care of the business aspect of things. But they're not going to get their meat hooks on a player until this time next year. Let, let me ask you this. Um... And I, and I, I okay. I don't want to. I don't want to get any misconceptions about Vegas going. Would you say Las Vegas is a city where a lot of people are are from somewhere else? I, well, yeah. Okay. That'd be the bottom line. But many people are from the Northeast. They're from right. hockey markets. There are you know Red Wings fans, Flyers fans, Blackhawks fans, Buffalo fans, uh, people that live here. You know, the funny thing is that the last time we had talked. We said this community will support this, but then like Plan C and D down the road would be that the visiting team. I think visiting teams and tours are going to have a hard time getting tickets here, but they could do that. The other thing we never talked about: you watch when the Blackhawks or the Red Wings go and play in Arizona and Anaheim and L.A. I mean, the place is packed with their fans. It's a three and a half hour drive. There'll be a ton of people that will come from Southern California too. Uh, and then the disaster scenario on a Tuesday night. If Vegas is struggling and they're playing Columbus who's struggling and there are 1,500 seats available for the game, and this is three years down the road, and this is a disaster scenario. Oh, by the way, there's 30,000 people walking around in a mile-and-a-half square radius from the arena, and at any given moment, four or 5,000 of those people are Canadian. <laughs> people will be in the building. Brian Blessing joining us on Inside Sports, talking about the uh, team going into Vegas. Uh, Bill Foley is going to be the owner. You have to come up with about $500 bucks. Nice to have that, I guess, lying around. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, t- tell me a little bit about uh, about this gentleman, what, what you know about him, uh, and sort of his, the leadership style that he's going to bring to this organization. Well, I've had the good fortune of being on the Founding 50 Committee, which turned into a Founding 75 Committee that kind of spearheaded the the season ticket drive and getting the community involvement. This guy's a leader. He's got got the money. He's got the passion for the sport. And uh, I think he's going to be a hands-on kind of guy. The funny thing is, is, you know, as is the nature of the business, right now he's the guy. Ten days from now, two weeks from now, when he hires a GM, that GM is the guy. And he's going to have the luxury of being a mad scientist and creating a team, and the league has gone way out of their way to give them the opportunity to field a very competitive team. My sincere hope is that they take a big-picture aspect of this and don't get lured in to try to compete for the playoffs in the first year. Uh, I say go young. Go like the Panthers, uh, the Lightning, but what Edmonton and Buffalo are doing now. Draft young, walk down the road, let this team grow up together, and in two, three years from now, have a five or six year window where you're going to be good for a long time. But that's the opportunity they're going to have being very creative. And I, I would just throw this at you, Reed. You watch now. 
you watch, and I, it could happen tonight. Trades are going to start happening, and it's with an eye on Vegas and this expansion draft. And I'll just throw one at you. Edmonton's sitting there with the number four pick. And there are rumblings that Charlie, they're shopping this pick around. And there's word that Buffalo's out there. All right, I've already made a list about six, seven guys for every team. Say Edmonton and don't just, that your fans are going nuts and say, oh, that's an unfair trade. But just for argument's sake, they trade the number four pick and, let's say, Everly to Buffalo, swap the eighth and fourth pick, and the Sabres send Pizik uh, and Gergensen's there and maybe another draft pick. Well, that's a blockbuster deal that wouldn't have happened without expansion because the Sabres would sit there and look at it and say, next year I'm going to lose either Pizik, McCabe, Gergensen's, or a prospect Bailey. You're going to see so many trades that are made with guys saying a GM worth of salt in Vegas is going to cherry-pick this guy. I'm going to lose him anyway for nothing. So I'm going to move him now, and teams are going to start massaging their rosters based on this expansion draft. The next 10 days are going to be insane. Well, and it makes this year's draft picks perhaps even more valuable because those players will not have to be exposed, right? So, you know, you do want to be trading those picks for current roster players. You're right. That's going to be fun. Brian, before I let you go, and I know you've had a long day, uh, the, the the team name uh, is, is Foley going to pick it? Are they going to let fans vote? What do you think is going to happen here? He was on my radio show, I guess we are looking about six, seven, eight weeks ago. And, you know, basically, you know, his – he said, oh, the domain names are taken. I think Black Knights was always uh, in his wheelhouse. He's got uh, he's an Army a West Point grad. Uh, the colors are going to be black, gold, and silver. That's a lock. Uh, I don't know if it's Black Knights. Knights may be, Knights may be the compromise, but uh, it's certainly going to be something along those lines. Right on. Hey, Brian, thanks for uh, giving us a, a sense of the scene and the vibe there with the NHL coming to Vegas. Really appreciate it, and I hope we can do this again, man. Great stuff. Oh, Reed, hey, my pleasure. We look forward to you guys coming in here to catch hockey. I mean, it's uh, uh, we're passionate about it here, and uh, you know, there are people like you and me that love this sport. And uh, you know what? I think we get the luxury of maybe educating the market, too, and getting a whole new bunch of new hockey fans. That's what I'm really excited about. Right on. Talk to you soon, man. See ya. That is Brian Blessing checking in tonight from Sportsbook Radio. That's on 11.30 a.m. in Las Vegas. So, yeah, the official announcement, the official, official announcement, June 22nd. That's next Wednesday. That's the same day as the uh, award show. But Las Vegas, uh, Brian thinks they might go with the Las Vegas Knights, which I suppose would have a bit of a double meaning given the uh, evening activity that is possible to engage in there. So uh, Brian saying, you know, it's, it's overstated in terms of the availability of uh, fun stuff, distractions for uh, for young athletes. Hmm. You can chime in by texting 630-630. I know Richard here in Edmonton said, Reed, aren't they putting a casino in our new arena here in Edmonton? How is that any different? There will be a casino right in the building, uh, right, in, uh, right in Rogers Place. Um, and I think the other issue here is whether or not you think Vegas is a good spot for a, for a team. What do you think of there being 31 teams in the NHL? Of there being 23 additional jobs? 23 new jobs? 23 players who are currently in the American Hockey League or soon to be drafted are going to get a spot in the NHL. 630-630-780-496-0063. This is Inside Sports on Chet.
You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. From a uh, listener who spends a fair amount of time in Las Vegas who says, you have no idea how excited I am for the NHL going to Vegas. It's going to work. T-Mobile Arena is beautiful, and the district around it is set up nicely. Bars, shops, etc. It's a lot like Staples Center. Other texts to uh, 630-630. Armswar says, uh, way too many ways for young people to get in trouble in Vegas. Could you imagine what would happen if young Pat Kane played there from the start? It'd be a disaster. Grimm says, just think of all the young guys who aren't even 21 yet. They won't be able to enjoy Vegas anyway. And another texter says, I read the issue with Vegas is just that. It is the everyone's perception of Vegas. And that's what Brian Blessing said pretty much in his interview that he feels the rest of the continent has to move past this Sin City mentality, I suppose. Um, I, I, I mean, there there are casinos in Edmonton. He mentioned uh, Fallsview Casino in southern Ontario. I mean, there's there's legal gambling in a, in a lot of provinces and states, not all of them, but in many of them. Um, but as that texter pointed out, is the, it is the perception of Vegas that if you're going to Vegas, you are going to get the best gambling opportunities in the world, whether that's true or not, right? There's something different about walking into a casino in Edmonton and walking into a casino in Vegas. And I think we can say that about casinos pretty much anywhere else in the world, right? There is the perception that if you are going to Vegas, you are really having a certain sort of holiday. And there's the perception of young, relatively wealthy hockey players um, that if you're in that a demographic of human being, and there aren't a, there really aren't a lot of pro hockey players in the world, if you weigh it against the entire population, um, that they have the means and the desire to have more fun than most people. Perhaps that is an incorrect uh, assumption as well. So I think Brian Blessing was asked, asking us to uh, to keep that straight. Um, th- the thing is about about Vegas, as I see it, if you go to the Strip, there is simply more there than anywhere else in the world. Now. These guys are pro hockey players. They travel all the time. They don't always have the time, energy to go out. And a lot of these guys are used to traveling. They are used to having road games. They are used to having a bedtime. And maybe they have a little bit of fun in some cities they go to, but they also know that they have to keep playing. So uh, it is an interesting debate. Uh, This texter says, uh, your guest was way too enthusiastic. It will be similar to Arizona. The people there... Uh, do not drive an hour to the game, let alone four. The arena has no parking. It's next to the Monte Carlo. Uh, that is from an unnamed texture to 630-630. No one, uh, no one texts in about how this might affect the quality of hockey in the National Hockey League with the 31st team. Even fewer goals, anybody? That's how I could see this going. 6.57 is the time of day. Still ahead. We'll check in with the Edmonton Eskimos. Oh, the offense. Not good today. Blanking. Dog blank. That's what one player said coming off the field. Dave Campbell will enlighten us on that. Our father-son feature today heading into Father's Day. 
Kale Clegg from the Brandon Wheat Kings. And his father, Jason. They'll be up at 7.30. All ahead. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.